Science, we have music. Put them together, let's use it. Wait, 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 wait. Let me be the substrate in your ear receptors. And let this not just be one endeavor. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get crunk on the science. Yeah, I pull the lever. And with the music, I just hope you say, dang it, clever, whatever. Bring it, master what matters. All the while, my life is scattered. You surge on it, general. I guess you're David Satcher. And you bet I got you when it comes down to the laughter. And whatever. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to Scientifically Sound. Ralph from the South here. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to First Day Classes. Welcome back to, well, I guess we come back to the lab every now and again, don't we? Welcome back to professors and syllabi and chicken tender Tuesdays from town time and again. At least for me and my special guests, I have a wonderful treat for you all. They came back. I have the X-ray crystallographer, photographer, Haley Stubbs, and Daniela Fulanatella Sanchez here to help me out with this one. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Daniela Fulanatella? The mass spec tech. I don't know. I tried to get all spectacular there we go i told you i apologize for whatever comes out of my mouth hi this was so good i'm so jealous the crystallographer and photographer like roll some that was so good but you like food which is why i put nutella because i do I, like food you like nutella i assume i like nutella but i like the colombian version better Hot pick. It was different. Hmm. I don't. It, it has. It's half like Nutella, but it has like half white chocolate, and it's delicious. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-mm. You're, the you're white chocolate. That's where I stopped. <laughs> well, wow. We already have drama, and it's not even two minutes in. <laughs> How are y'all too? How's it going? How you, y'all? Well, one of us is on vacation. The other one is relaxing in their apartment. How's it going, you two? It's going good. I'm at the beach right now with my family, so that's been wonderful. I forgot what day of the week it is, so that means it's going well. <laughs> One of my um, lab mates told me, good luck, um, before I left for the beach. And I was like, good luck relaxing? What is that? Is that what you meant? <laughs> and I was like, I guess that's true for a grad student. Good luck relaxing. Um but it's been really nice to relax, kind of chill out for a while. And y'all don't see the fit, but the fit is fitting. We love it. You work, Haley. You work. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Haley. 
Daniela, what's good with you? You know, I'm doing well. I've been job hunting mostly and trying to wrap up things in lab. So not as relaxing as Haley, but um, you know, still a lot of like cool things, talking to a lot of like recruiters and stuff. So that, that's kind of been life for me. So both of y'all are actually job hunting, if I'm correct. Cause I yeah. definitely am not <laughs> looking for a job yet. Cause these two are about to graduate y'all. I'm very excited. My two sisters are about to be Dr. Nutella and I don't know. I really like this Nutella thing going for you, Daniela. Um, <laughs> Dr. Stubbs and Dr. Mesa Sanchez. In your work job hunt, what are you really looking for? Like, what's important to you at this time? Yeah, um, work life balance for sure, which I think is mostly like pretty manageable um, in industry. Um, so that, that to me is a big one. I also don't want to be poor. I know that's probably taboo to say, but like, your girl's out here trying to retire someday. So... What's the retirement age we aiming for, Daniela? Listen, if we can aggressively save and retire to a small, you know, Latin American country, I, you know, we, I would love to retire before 50. Is that a realistic possibility? in our economy i don't know but we will see <laughs> retired by 50. you know a lot of news stories be like you can retire by 30 but you sound a little bit more realistic so i can at least support you in that yeah so yeah i mean a good environment basically and to not be poor everything that grad school is not <laughs> oh we're not gonna get into that one yet <laughs> <laughs> Haley, what are you looking for? Uh, same as Daniela. I will also say I'm looking for a place where I can still be actively learning all the time. Um, it's something I really enjoy, and I like to be able to try new techniques, study new things. Um, so having an environment that's a bit more creative and flexible, I think, is important to me. Um, I think I was talking to somebody recently who described this really well when they said they were talking to one of their mentors and said that they felt like a lot of their work had been reactive rather than proactive. And I think that pretty much sums up a lot of my frustrations, I think, um, when I get like down in the weeds of optimizing things in the lab is I really enjoy the proactive thinking of science. So like learning about the problem, planning the experiment, how we're going to answer the question. Um, but I don't necessarily like the reactive part as much where it's like, okay, now we have a problem. Something's not working. Let's figure out how to fix it. I enjoy problem solving in general, but proactive thinking is definitely what I enjoy more. Um, and I know it's going to be a while um, in my career until I get to a point where I'm doing mostly proactive uh, thinking. But that is ultimately what I'm aiming for someday. And not retiring. 
got it. No, I'd like to retire as well. <laughs> <laughs> the topic that I want to pose to you two today came up from a discussion over coffee with my friend Jennifer. Jennifer, if you're listening, hi. I have discussed this with some people before, but I want you all's take on it. We believe that the way, one way to at least bring science to community is to start a science award show like we have award shows for the Tonys, the Emmys, the Grammys, and all of that. Mainly because I really want an award show for science where you walk in, of course, all the grad students, postdocs, PIs have wonderful work that they've done in the year. But I want someone to narrate it that's a celebrity. Like Morgan Freeman. Just so like, like welcome. a celebrity rendition of the Nobel Prize lectures. Is what yeah. No, no, not even that. Not even that. Because I don't even want lectures. I want, we got to treat this like it's it's a movie. We got to treat it like it's so fun. Like, you walk in, Morgan Freeman's just like, good evening. I'm Morgan Freeman. And just like goes on a spiel of just like, I don't know what kind of we, what this could be called the site, site. Well, I don't know the sciences. I don't know. That's weird. But I need that. I need celebrity and I need musicians playing like music that are famous. Like, I don't know. Bring in who do we like? I know we can't book Beyonce to like anything because her price is beyond the world. But maybe we can get. Who can we get? Who's alive? Dude, they're, in every single department, there is that, like, couple of people that have a band or some sort of ensemble. Like, you were you were that person. No, so. don't, we don't need me. We need a celebrity because that's what's going to get traction for the Science Award show. So we need someone like Meg The Stallion. Like, Morgan Freeman introduces the first award. is like, here to perform her hit single, Megan The Stallion. And we just go down the line for every genre. Then somewhere Carrie Underwood pops out and like sings something. So is and there then, any science? Now I'm confused. There is science. No, so like the awards are for the honors of science and they're for like science and for science communication. But instead of us having to sit in a ceremony and just learn, we treat it like we treat all the art, like all the Emmys and all that stuff. Because okay, but I your whole thing is that you want community investment. And yeah. like the reason why war shows work is because people are invested. They have like a take. They're like, this is my favorite movie or like this is my favorite song. But if people aren't aware of the science, they're not going to be like pulling for like this discovery versus this discovery or like this paper versus no, this paper, I know. right? That's what I'm saying. With the celebrities though, they pull in because they're going to watch the performance. But when it's time to present the awards, the way we present the rewards is going to be more in a layman's terms to hype it up and everything. And it goes that way. We pull them in with celebrity, but we give them something to learn along the way. It's like, I don't know. If Barack Obama, Michelle Obama came up and was just like, uh, today I want to give the best Western blot award to a significant scientist from Fermi University. Danielle Mesa is one of the nominees. 
stand up, Daniela, and then suddenly, out of the blue, Bad Bunny just appears with your award <laughs> and just gives it to you. <laughs> Listen, I I hear what you're saying. I just almost kind of want to rebel against that, though, because I feel like we have this idea of meritocracy in science that is uh, completely fake and not real. So, realistically, are awards given to the people that work the hardest, to the best science, or are they given to the person with the biggest name who has met enough people in their career? Like, think about grants. Who do grants go to? They're like established labs, not necessarily always a measure of success, right? And so, I don't know that I want an award show for science. Like, the Nobel Prizes are already, like, political enough. And, like, maybe it's, it's not an award show, but, like, a showcase. Like I'll take a showcase. I like, I like showcase. That. I like the idea of having, like, a super fancy event for scientists. Because we just, everything is so casual. Um, in terms of dress, in terms of even like I went to a conference recently and a bunch of people were saying they were just going to go to Subway to eat. And it was like, we were in San Francisco. There were so many good restaurants. We were all from Nashville. So it was a lot of different types of food that we don't necessarily have in Nashville. And there were several people saying they were just going to go to Subway. And I was so disappointed. Um... And so I think, you know, a cool event that kind of encouraged everyone to have fun, not be so practical all the time, I think, would would be fun. So maybe is every conference ends with, like, a ball? I'd, like... No, because I don't want to go to a ball, necessarily. I know some conferences have, like, really fun dances. I have never been to one. They have so... fun dances, but I also... <laughs> it's... It's the faculty-student interaction that's scaring me in that sense. Right? Because I don't want to see my P.I. dance. I've already <laughs> shown you what he looks like dancing. He dances like a 70s disco person. But, but you kind of have to, Ralph, because, like, it would be a great equalizer, right? Like, don't think about your PI. Think about someone else's PI that's a hotshot that you want to meet. That's fair. Okay. My personal things aside, I would love a ball at every conference. And actually, who does a ball right now? Is it Abercams or Sackness? I'm trying to remember... One of those do like a ball or a dance at the end of their conference, and I think it's the most the, beautiful. The Grace Hopper conference has a big party at the end, like a big that's dance party. Does too. I mean, that's one thing that can at least be a nice equalizer for like the group. But I know you're against the meritocracy, but I would just love to just be in a room with just people from across the nation. That's just like. Yeah, we did that for the year. I just, again, I think, oh, like, in order to have investment in an award show, people have to, like, have no. a hot take. Like, they need to be aware. Like, even within science, right? 
you know your niche. So you can sit here and tell me within your specific area of study, you're like, oh yeah, that person is doing great science. I want them to win. But like, I wouldn't know any of those people. And so like, you just have really niche investment. Um, yeah, I think that's what makes scientists coming together like as an entire scientific community difficult is because our areas of expertise are so different. And like, if you're comparing it to like a movies or music awards show, like most people have heard of the actors and directors and seen the movies or want to go see the movies. Um, so they already kind of, I guess it's more of a wide appeal. Like they're appealing to human emotion and experience. Whereas we're appealing to, like Daniela said, incredibly specific little topics that don't necessarily get you emotionally invested and so I think it's harder to bring people together around science maybe something like smaller scale kind of like um like YouTube type awards where it's you have like an audience and so like maybe you have like a bunch of science communicators like I can see that better and you have like all these people that do TikToks and all these people that do little YouTube videos and then you had like a everyone like which TikTok gets the most like upvotes or likes or whatever and then that's what the award is kind of based on I don't know I will say you probably have given rise to the scientifically sound award show where I'm just gonna do that instead and I'm just gonna be like submit here I'm gonna get independent freaking committees and we're gonna evaluate that way but also we're gonna have the people's choice award where you can send it off of twitter or whatever to get all the votes you want and then I'll be your host around from the south and I'll just award people I don't know what I'll award them I have no money y'all but I do give great hugs i don't think that works for an award but that might be the premise all right let's take a break here and we'll be right back with you scientifically sound So, whenever September rolls around, everyone, I think everyone can hear this song blasting either from the radio, blasting from maybe a tailgate at a certain football game where the football team isn't going to win, but we're going to drink our hearts and pray for the best. Um, you might hear this at a sorority function where swing dancing occurs. A wonderful song that can bring any group of people together for a nice fun time. It is the great song by Earth, Wind and & Fire, and it was actually one of their first hits called September. And the lyrics go like this. Yes, I'm going to sing. I apologize, Dad, because I know you love Earth, Wind & Fire. Do you remember? Probably not. <sighs> I told you. I told you. 
Didn't I tell her? <laughs> I told yeah. her. This is what you pay me for. The twenty first. You're getting paid for said... this. What the hell? <laughs> uh, everyone, focus. Okay. Do you remember the twenty first night of September? Yeah, it was in lab. Love it's was changing the minds of pretenders <laughs> while chasing the clouds away. Our hearts were ringing in the I didn't know that experiment was going to work. You got some struggles, my friends. Our souls were singing <laughs> as we danced in the night. Remember how the stars stole the night away. I'm not gonna do it for because my falsetto <laughs> sucks. Um, but the song is September. It's probably one of the few songs where it's it's gonna be remembered by a bass line. It's gonna be remembered by a wonderful chorus. And for at least us three, it's remembered incorrectly by one of our colleagues who we went to school with, who said, "Do you remember the very first night of September?" Hello, Denai. I know you're not listening, but. Yeah, <laughs> but if you are, but if you are, it's twenty. You were wrong. Tonight. Get it right. Um, <laughs> I'm not bitter. You are. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually wanted to look into this partially because while it is September, Earth, Wind, and Fire is one of those bands that have always fascinated me. They came up here in 2018 and killed it. But September actually put out this song in 1978, and in a interview that's actually done by the Library of Congress. They talked to one of the songwriters named Alta, AKA Allie Willis, who is this wonderful white lady. And she's well known, fun fact, for writing the theme song to Friends. So she knows what gets people jumping. A yeah, just a little bit. What happened was when she was younger in the 1970s, she was a starving songwriter as well as like trying to make her own music career happen. And Verdine White, who's my cousin, and I know it may be true, might not be, the decision's out on that, but Verdine White, who's the bassist for Earth, Wind & Fire, was working with her because he was producing a band called Pockets and producing a singer who would later be his wife, uh, Shelly Clark. And Verdine was like, hey, I like your style. You should work with my brother, Maurice White. And so Maurice gets her on the phone, is like, hey, you need to come over here. We gotta write this song. Is going to be fantastic. So she goes over to the studio. They're working on the song September. And what's well known about this is that in the final moments when the actual song is supposed to be put out, Allie and Maurice get into a fight because of the chorus. For those who need the chorus, a reminder, it's body Say, do you remember? And she literally was like, what does body even mean and maurice looked dead in her face and said the freak doesn't matter it's catchy and it works and so literally he said some other choice words y'all i'm not gonna say it but in this point in context ali learned a vital lesson which is do not let the lyrics get in the way of the groove because if they were actually trying to make sense 
we might not have a wonderful hit song that September is today. And so on this September, on this September month in 2022, we're going to remember random things of science that happen on the 21st night of September, or particularly just September 21st. And I brought Haley and Daniela along because we have different minds and we search for different things that we like. And so for this assignment, I'm going to make Daniela go first because she was very eager when I gave her this assignment that she found a lot of things. So tell us, what do you remember about the 21st of September? So I don't remember it because I'm not this old. But someone somewhere at some point remembered on September 21st in 1832, Louis Paul Kiley Tet, I'm saying that wrong, but I don't care, uh, was born. So he was a French physicist and inventor who was born in 1832. So 210 years ago. So find that 21, double 21 in there. Um, 21. And he is actually a really cool person that I had never heard of. And I went on a little rabbit hole when Ralph gave me this assignment. Um, so basically, Luke Paul was this dude whose dad uh, worked in ironworks, whatever that means. He made iron stuff. And he kind of inherited that from his dad. And one of the things that intrigued them was all of these accidents that would happen whenever uh, they were they had incompletely forged iron. And so he started studying that. And what he found out is that the iron was at a very unstable place sometimes because different gases would dissolve in it. And then that would cause explosions in, in the forges and the furnaces where uh, this would happen. And it was because of very rapidly expanding and uh, compressing gases. And so this kind of study into gases led him into being the first person to actually have uh, liquid oxygen. And then very quickly afterwards, he uh, subsequently was able to uh, liquefy other gases. Um, the most interesting to me is actually uh, liquid nitrogen because it is very much a part of my life. If you know anything about mass spectrometry, you're usually hauling a big doer of liquid nitrogen to feed some nitrogen into your instruments. I know Haley also probably uses a lot of liquid nitrogen for crystallography. Anytime you're trying to do any cryo sort of stuff, you have yep, liquid nitrogen. Yep. And so, yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously someone had to figure this out. Um, I probably knew it was some French person up in like the 1800s whenever chemistry was starting to be a thing and they were figuring out um, the whole like relationship between temperature and pressure into the states of matter but yeah i didn't know about uh kyla tet our boy louis polk kyla tet um and he actually did a lot of other random stuff so part of this whole oxygen liquid oxygen thing he made a liquid oxygen breathing apparatus so people could like climb to higher places because um, he was also like an inventor he was really into automatic cameras, so he was trying to get a selfie before any of us were. Um, and he was really into like flight, and so he was into understanding like altimeters, and uh, he actually put a manometer in on top of the Eiffel Tower to like understand air resistance 
of falling objects. Yeah, he was just kind of all over the place. Um, but yeah, cool person that I had never heard of. So thank you, Ralph, for helping me learn about a new person. I got two things. Before I get into those things, you said his name is Lou Paul. Uh-huh. So can you say it's Lou Paul's gas race? <laughs> yes! Yeah. I like it. Literally, this you said it. I'm like, oh, this would be a great skit one day. Second, Listen, I think I think we make it. We make it a little poster. Like oh, sure. Like Photoshop in his face in front, and like call it the thing and do gases. And, yeah, yeah. And There's the the visual for this. Other thing I was going to say, how dare you? I be working with liquid nitrogen. Sure, it's for ice cream, but still, I be using it. (laughs) Also, for those who don't know, give a quick synopsis of liquid gases just in general. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, everything, states of matter, you can... You have solid liquid gas um, and you can kind of push them around based on temperature. And so I forget what the actual, the graph that I'm thinking of where it has like the triple point that has like an actual name, but I forget what it's literally called. Yeah. Haley, back me up here. But uh, you know, you have water, you can freeze it and it turns solid. If it's at room temperature, it's liquid. And then if it's hot, right? Like when you boil it, it turns into a gas. so every every molecule has different points at which it will become a gas a liquid or a solid um and for a lot of these gases like oxygen and hydrogen uh and nitrogen they are at their natural state like at our temperature which is generally about 25 centigrades and our uh atmospheric pressure which is like one atm usually they are gas gases but if you compress them uh, and cool them enough, you can actually get them to be into the liquid phase, which makes them a lot easier and more compact to to transport. Phase diagram, um, that's what they're called. So if you Google phase diagram, uh, you get these like little graphs where um, they're partitioned in like three areas. And depending on like how high or low the pressure is and how high or low the temperature is, you get a different state of matter. So yeah. First, Haley, I like how you're just giving us the graph and the aspects of said graph just for us to remember. The temperature is on the x-axis. Pressure pressure is on the y-axis. Thank you, Professor Haley Stubbs and Professor Daniela Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah, assistance. I had to cheat a little bit. Haley's got me. That is okay. I I forgot it was called a phase diagram, too. For some reason, I thought there was like it was named after a scientist or something. I could see it in my head. I just did not remember what it was called. Petition yeah, because you know a lot of the like kinetics diagrams are named after like a scientist mm-hmm. who studied kinetics. So I thought it was something like that for a second. And I was like, oh, it's just phase diagram. Petition to call it the Lupal gas diagram at this point, just because I really like that name for some reason. Also, I miss liquid nitrogen only because mind you everyone fair warning don't touch it with your bare hands it hurts like what is reason technically 
really you can you just can't cup it right can't because it's it. so cold that it uh, it's a linden frost yeah uh, droplet and so it has like the gas and it doesn't actually sit on your skin if you like let it sit for long enough then it it, it actually will give you a, a cold burn but it, it'll roll off of you if you are not yes. holding on to it my favorite moment of liquid nitrogen is my high school professor took a green bean, froze it in liquid nitrogen, put it in front of me, took a hammer and just smashed it. I'm still wondering why specifically a green bean, but hey, she must have just had that on hand and didn't want to get rid of anything else. But I was very frightened. That's your favorite memory of liquid nitrogen, not the drunk frat boys at Furman whenever we had Relay for Life and did liquid nitrogen ice cream. And we, you know, for some reason we thought giving drunk frat boys liquid nitrogen was a good idea. I did. Or the one girl that would smell it and be like, oh yeah, I smelled the nitrogen. Oh yeah. I, I didn't want to incriminate us, <laughs> and I also didn't want to relive that moment where I remembered that girl. <laughs> uh, okay, well, to not incriminate us, no one ever got hurt. It's fine. We made sure that the f- drunk frat boys didn't eat the nitrogen. No, nah, they just threw we, it at I each think other. we, for the most part, poured it. I think we poured it ourselves. I mean, we did. We always did. But they would get a, a cup of it. And sometimes they'd like try to eat the ice cream before it was like completely evaporated. Yeah. But we stopped that. We policed it. We did our jobs. There's yeah, no criminal fine. thing to pursue. But yeah, the, the smelling the nitrogen always gets me. That's a t-shirt right there. Oh my gosh, you can smell the nitrogen. <laughs> If anyone listening to this doesn't realize why that's funny, if you're not a scientist, um, like 97% of the air we breathe is made up of nitrogen, so you're smelling nitrogen all the time. And if you're smelling anything else, you're funky. That's why. Um, or there's trash around, you know. I just want to cover our bases, Haley. Like, yeah, but then that's you- not nitrogen. <laughs> I, I know, think I'm they just... smelled the styrofoam and it had like a weird smell from being in the plastic bag and I don't know. But yeah, they were like, that's the nitrogen. That's... <laughs> Every time y'all come on, y'all have more memories that I really need to just write down and just give to whoever comes after me. <sighs> well, Daniela, I'm glad you gave us a wonderful trip to Lou Paul's great discoveries. We're gonna switch it over to Haley. While you're on vacation, I made her learn. <laughs> Unless you don't have anything, Haley, in which case we'll jump to me. No, I found something. You just wait. So, <laughs> let me find it again. Un momento. Y'all, <laughs> y'all she, she don't have anything. Chill out. Listen, a lot about science is faking it till you make it. And faking it hard right now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly how I be doing when I have data meetings. Well, let me tell you that on this day in 1895, the Duryea 
Motor Wagging Company became the first American auto manufacturer to open for business. So that's pretty cool. Um, they were designed um, to be what is believed to the first gasoline-powered automobile built in the U.S. Um, and that's pretty cool because driving is nice. It's not great for the environment, as the pandemic has shown us. If we stop driving, we may be able to stop global warming. Um, but coming from the South, where there is no form of public transformation, it's not even that there's bad what? public transportation. It's literally no public transportation. Um, there it's is. nice to have a car, I will say. It's a pretty great invention. For me, you know, if hey. you're if you're having a bad day, go to cookout, get a milkshake. You know, like not sponsor, but like cookout. If you want to sponsor Ralph, please we're do. Here we're here for it. We got also Chick Fil A. I love a good chicken sandwich. We got a couple of things to address. First off, you're not gonna disrespect where we're from, Haley, because Marta is a pretty gosh darn great public transit place. That's fair. I'll give it to Marta. I'll give it to Marta. But, I mean, the South in general. Yes. But I just want to make clear. Atlanta has something that yeah, you can that's, work that's with. True. Second, if you enjoyed this podcast and you do work for Cookout, we will take three milkshakes, some cheese fries, and um, what else y'all want? Y'all better throw this in here. We never know. Hush puppies. Jigs. <laughs> We're, this is the same wavelength. Even our cravings are the same. Yep, we're ready. So you brought us the invention of a car, or gasoline car, rather. Y'all went way far back for the 19, 1800s. My goodness. We weren't born. We weren't even thought of yet. Hey, this is a throwback episode. As in, we have throwback uh, guest, us, the first ever return guest. So... Saying throwback is weird until you say, I told her throw it back. <laughs> oh, forgive me. All right. I guess it's my turn. While Daniela decides to go the metal route and looking at elements because chemistry and Haley decides to look at inventions, I am very fascinated by metal. Daniela did gas, not metal. Yeah, but was dealing with iron and gas. That's that, that was the gateway to why he cared about gases. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you, Daniela dealt with a lot of gas, chemistry, as well as metal works and the importance of it. And Haley gave us a wonderful, while on vacation, mind you. It was a little bit, but we'll give it to you. We'll give you a dollar for that. Um, I know. You're on the beach. To be honest, you should be resting. So I'm more grateful that you are here. <laughs> um, I'm grateful that I eventually got back to show up for this, even though I was like an hour late. It's fine. We made it. Anywho, what was I talking about? Oh, I like medical phenomena, everyone. If you get to know me most of the times, I'm very fascinated by the weird things that happen in our society whether it's phenomena in people that get sick or they have this mutation or it's some type of big widespread thing that happened from back in the day. 
looking at you black plague um but in this case i'm fascinated by the birth bubble boy why'd you freaking <laughs> do that i was gonna say it i'm so sorry i stole your thunder i was just really? Really that was gonna be it wait i'm sorry do it again I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry do it again nah man leave it in leave it in well, after you commented on things being so old, I was like, what's the most recent one on this list? Bubble Boy. <laughs> I had a whole story. <laughs> that fucking works. It's fine. Okay, okay. Okay, okay, I'm your thunder. No, I'm shutting up now. This is why I do this podcast with y'all, because y'all... You're... <sighs> you get your guests and they're all so nice and respectful and like and then you bring us on and we bring in the chaos <laughs> never a dull moment <laughs> on <laughs> September 21st in 1971 it was the birth of a child by the name of David Philip Vetter he is the son of Carol Ann Vetter and David Joseph Vetter now, David was a normal kid. He played with toys like we probably did. He watched TV. He was more of a Star Wars fan. So if you're Star Trekky, hey, he's a kid. We don't know how it goes. But he was unique in a very particular way. And as Haley has already pointed out, he lived in a bubble. And why did he live in a bubble? He lived in a bubble because he had a awful genetic disease called severe combined immunodeficiency or SCID. Now for some of you who are biologists like me and training to be at least, SCID is something we run into commonly with our mice, being that when we give drugs to them and we wanna focus on just the drug and the cancer itself, we usually work with SCID mice to see how the drug only is able to affect anything that we put into the mouse. Because the, immuno, the immune system is essentially void it doesn't work it's awful it's deficient and so this kid actually lived in a sterile cocoon when he was born like he was straight up born and put in a little sterile cocoon and lived in the hospital for so long so they could make a cocoon at the, at the house that he was in in texas now with being the person that he had skid he couldn't find off common infections from the different pathogens that you run into so imagine you being a person that, you know, kids are gross. We know this. I don't know. Well, maybe Haley and Danielle are gross. <laughs> kids are gross. They are gross. They're gross. They get into stuff that they shouldn't get into. They play in the dirt. Um, some kids just really, you know, just go on TikTok and see what kids do. It's mind boggling how they go in there. And sometimes they don't even get sick. But the times that they do, it's from random moments of what they've been doing in the nastiness. But that's regular kids with being, a per if you have a person that has skid, unfortunately they can't go out throughout life living like this. Otherwise a common pathogen could be fatal for them. And so he lived up to the age of 12, having to be inside of a bubble with some point in his 10th year, 11th year of life, NASA actually created a suit for him to walk outside sometimes, which was actually pretty cool. In terms of screening, because, you know, I'm in the clinic side of things, 
when it comes to screening for skid they do a lot of qpcr for things called t-cell receptor excision circles these are just the signs of a mature immuno system essentially with it being that if you have a lot of it as a baby and as you're growing you're pretty much okay you're not you don't have skid you're pretty much fine it is when there's only few to almost none excision circles that are around are being detected by qpcr when you start being concerned for the child's safety and this is something that's common at this point now at this current time he still had a family the family still loved him they were still cared for he actually had an older sister and typically when you have an older sister not only is it a wonderful blessing to have siblings but in terms of just the beautiful familial unit but it's also interesting because they could possibly be the cure because treatment for skid and it's still this is a bone marrow transplant a bone marrow transplant is essentially taking the blood of one person that could match you that has the stem cells to do so taking their stem cells that are healthy adding it to the unhealthy body that has terrible stem cells that make up the whole immune system and the hope is when you introduce these cells they prime the body and begin to grow new stem cells that are healthy so you do have an immune system so that's what the parents tried to do the parents tried to take the older sister of david catherine take her stem cells put them into david it could all be so simple right but unfortunately at the time her bone marrow cells had remnants of the epstein-barr virus and because of it it unfortunately led to the death of david due to the fact it led to an infection and led to lymphoma and he died at the age of 12. and it's one of those things that always mind boggles me of something so well-intentioned and yet it did not get to the result that we were hoping for. But it's also led to a lot of research to be done on kids now. So it's now at least a better way of treating kids that have some type of immunodeficiency. So now more kids are okay based off of this research that has been done on this kid. Wow. That was depressing, but good way of bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. You know, different things happen on 21st of September, don't you agree? Some people had love. Some people had adventures in terms of playing with liquid gases. Others were dealing with skid disease. They shouldn't be counted out. And some were dealing with inventing the first car. The first gasoline-driven car. In the U.S. In the U.S. So specific. There's like a lot of qualifiers on that. <laughs> hey, look, as many times people are getting so involved in being like, we should be American-made. like, all right, do you know what that means? That's a lot of work. Nevertheless, I think we've learned a lot from different parts different generations of the 21st night of September. Is there anything you want to tell the rest of the class before we get out of here, Haley and Daniela? Stay in school, kids. Say no to drugs. Or get out of school and live your life. Oh, yeah. Either one. Whichever you 
tried to save it. I don't think they're gonna listen at all. <laughs> um, it's always a pleasure to have you two on. I hope y'all know that. I love being here. And yeah. the same. Would recommend. Would recommend to Always love an excuse to hang out with my besties. Well, we've learned a lot today, Scientifically Sound. Not only in science, but also how my two friends are on the same wavelength. Remember, stay in school. Drink extra water for me. Uh, have a candy bar now and again, but don't eat too much. Otherwise, you spoil your dinner. And Blast September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Just do it. It'll make your mood so much better. As we go out now... I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye! Okay, bye. Bye. Hello, Ralph from the South here. Here to say thank you so much for listening to Scientifically Sound this month. This episode was definitely fun to make. I particularly was deep in the catacombs of lab and Haley and Daniela's spirit pulled me out as I record this episode so I'm grateful for them and I'm grateful for you for participating in this wonderful excursion of ours if you want to continue following us on scientifically sound you can follow us on instagram at scientifically sound all one word follow us on twitter at four the number four the sci underscore sound and you can email us at four the number four the scientifically sound at gmail.com you can also visit our website, scientificallysound.net, and catch up on all the latest when it comes to Scientifically Sound content. Well, I have another Western to run, so I'll catch you later next month. Bye! You don't have to snitch we on yourself. made it. Well, why they focus you on... You to snitch on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, well, you can cut it out later, it's fine. Nah, we keep all this. <laughs> That's why last time it was an hour and four, 15 minutes, because we just... Yeah. Um, it's all gold why would you cut it why would you cut any of this <laughs> racist <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely going at the end of this episode please don't oh nah, god that is There's your a reference to what you said before I was there, yeah there was context if this somehow makes it into the episode there was context so nah we're playing this out context. of context i just want to hear it where danielle's like why would you cut this we're gold yeah racist <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it went <laughs> oh my goodness